All right, welcome back to the final episode. I'm Andy Brown. I'm Steve Brown. I'm Greg Brown. And, and this we're is Browns, Browns on Brown. Browns on Podcast. Nailed it. We get better every time we do that. Good job, guys. So, for those that you don't know, should this have is, prepped that. If you're jumping it, if you we prep it every week. I don't know what you're talking about. This that's the best it's ever gotten. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of practice, about as much practice as our our Cleveland Browns often do. Um, and I think the one thing they are practiced at is losing. So we have been going through the t- the worst of the worst Browns football games, the worst losses ever. And we are finally at the end, boys. This is the cream of the crop. What's the opposite of the cream of the crop? The creme de la creme. The bottom of the barrel? The bottom of the barrel. Okay. The worst, the best of the worst. The dregs of the coffee. The dregs of the coffee. Oh. Grounds. And these are the grounds in the dregs of the coffee. Yes. Mm. We get nice and crunchy at the end. Mm-hmm. So it's nice and crunchy. So uh, we are each going to present three. Well, before we get into this, can yeah. I can I propose a question to you guys? Sure. Uh, best character on the Drew Carey show. Who you got? Well, since this is a best of the worst, I'm going to say Mimi. Dude, Mimi sucks. Okay. The worst. (laughs) Everybody knows Mimi sucks. That's what I'm saying. The boss guy, he was kind of sucky too. Craig Ferguson, that guy's he's legit now. Yeah, Craig Ferguson. Or was legit legit for a while. He had his own late night talk show. So, oh, is it not? Who's the, uh, the tall dude? It's one of the two buddies, right? Yeah, it's yeah, the tall yeah. dude and then the short uh, Whose line is it anyway, right? What's that guy name? rules. I think he's yeah, the yeah, best he one. The yeah, they're the best. <laughs> yeah, he's definitely the best. But he's, he's like actual best, which we don't How know. How the hell did Drew Carey get a show just for himself is just beyond me. A stand-up comedian? He's giving away sitcoms to everybody back in the 90s, huh? <laughs> yep. <laughs> it was a dark time for television. He had a likable face. They They still had music on television back then. To be fair, I've watched no less than like 50 episodes of that show, though. I don't yeah. know why. Oh, God, yeah. Because it used to be on all the goddamn time. It was like mm. the Friends of its day. I don't know. Was Friends on at that time, too? Mm, that yeah. might be a stretch. I think Friends is on at the same time <laughs> and significantly more popular. Yeah, and this was probably on directly before or after, which is why you ended up watching it. They were groundbreaking comedy, too. They had uh, a global warming joke before it was even really happening. I think it was still happening. Can you explain that, Steve? They just were joking about global warming back in the Drew Carey show days. Did you rewatch an episode recently? No, it's always stuck with me where he's like... (laughs) That's stuck with you. Takes takes the air freshener can and spraying it outside and being like, where's this global warming I've heard about? You know what my favorite jokes are? The ones you have to explain. Are you stat-checking that, Greg? (laughs) Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Beautiful. Uh, did you find it? It looks like you may have. I, this is just uh, a memory. I don't, I'm not even sure this is true, but this is fantastic. Hundred percent true. Yeah. So this is this is typical Browns radio. I think you might be right, Steve. Boom. Here we go. I don't know what uh, year this was, but Drew Carey on global warming. I love Cleveland. The weather is just terrible. They're too cold. All we want to know in Cleveland is where the hell's all that global warming we've been hearing so much about. 
Boom. That's all they ever do in the winter. Stand outside with an aerosol can. That's right. Fuck the grandkids. I'm cold now. <laughs> Is that like from the show? No, yeah, that's it's just a, I'm on deadfrog.com slash comedian slash joke slash Drew Carey. we're a well-sourced podcast that yeah he's just taking that joke from his show that that was the exact joke in the show or vice versa the fuck the grandkids i'm cold now it just that part was (laughs) that didn't fly on fox (laughs) (laughs) all right all right these games yes so steven you have three games to choose the to present today is that correct Yes, I. All right, where are we starting then? I believe Greg. Bring us back. Right. Oh, Greg is going to say. All right, so Greg, bring us back to, to 1999. Ooh, okay. The inaugural Vintage year. year. Week one. Ooh, started the first season. Yeah. The first game back in the NFL. As oh, a that's right. Yeah. For the Browns. After, after they left us in the, yeah. in the middle and, of the night. And Drew Carey was there, speak of the devil, Ooh, hyping up nice the time. crowd in the pregame, Monday night game against the Steelers, and he's oh, like... Rivalry. It's back. If anybody wants to make jokes about Cleveland, you tell them to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and then they lost 43 to nothing. <laughs> they, got, they got outgained 464 to 40. <laughs> oh, No. That's Are they playing the Steelers. Steelers There's teams. a lot of Steelers losses that were, uh, That's tough. Mm. Oh, didn't Drew Carey came out onto the field like in a jersey and stuff too? It was like part of the team. Yeah, it was like the Monday night hype segment. Oh, where he's getting the crowd all riled up. Forty-three, yeah. nothing. Not not good. That's a quality oh, quality entrance. Their expansion mm-hmm. franchise, you know. Yeah, I mean, to be expected somewhat. I guess the expansion draft isn't. I mean, it's not like other expansion teams ever. Yeah, Drew Carey can't strap well. him on and, and go out and play all the positions. You know, he ain't, right. he's not taking the snaps behind center. Yeah, it's not like the Jaguars or the Panthers did well in their first se- season. Drew Carey's oh. doing his part, though. Come on, let's not let's get off his case. Oh yeah, that's that's true. I mean, well, as a hype man, I guess he didn't do a great job. That team sounds like it came out flat. I don't know. He brought the hype. All right. that, that's, make, a, that's a quality entry. Quality entry. All right. What else you got, Greg? All right. Let's fast forward a couple years to 2014. Mm. This is... <laughs> I didn't do enough preparation for this. Okay. <laughs> that's not the one I was thinking of. All right. I mean, there's so okay, many to choose tw- from. 2004, week 12. Okay. Against Cincinnati. In Cincinnati. They lost the game 58 to 48. <gasps> they I tied an NFL this. record for the highest losing score in league history. It was the second highest scoring game combined score in league history. Yeah. And they're down 51 to 48 late in the fourth driving and Kelly Holcomb throws a pick six to, oh. <laughs> to make it 58 48 and they lose. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> Sad Kelly Holcomb's not even the worst quarterback either. Kelly Holcomb's one of the best ones. Yes. This is what year was that? Kelly Holcomb. 2004. I mean, that's just not great. So that is number nine, yes? <laughs> well, that one's number, number eight. eight. Yeah. Okay. All right, number seven. Uh, 2007, week three at Oakland. On the last play of the game, Phil Dawson kicks a 40-yard field goal, and it's good. They were down two. Unfortunately, Oakland coach Lane Kiffin has called a timeout from the sidelines right before the ball is snapped. A new rule as of 2007. On the second try, the kick is blocked. <laughs> After week three, the rule is amended so that this exact circumstances is no longer possible. So wait, 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 wait. He's getting boned. So, so in 2007, the NFL creates a new rule which is coaches can call a timeout from the sidelines right before the ball is snapped. Yeah. Yeah. And so week three of this game, the Browns are playing, playing at Oakland and they're, they're down two and they kick it and it goes through and it's good, but they called a timeout and then they re kick it and the kick gets blocked to lose the game. Like that is the worst icing. And then the first time icing ever worked again. Right, and then after that week, they, they're like, nah, that, that rule sucks, so we're not going to let that happen ever again. But the score stands. Are you not allowed to do that anymore? You can't do it right before they're about to kick. You can ice them, but you can't like, wait till it's right about to be snapped, I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think it's the coaches can't do it or something like oh. that. I think, or maybe it's back, I'm not sure. But of course, that would, they they introduce the rule, fuck the Browns, and then get rid of it again. Literally that same week. <laughs> uh, totally getting boned by the rules all the time. Factory of sadness. All right, Gregory, Mr. Brown, do you have a, a third entry into the Browns' um, loss hall of fame, if you will? Wasn't that three? That was three. That I was did three. three. I did my three. I feel like I just presented a school project. No, I, I, I did my part. <laughs> All right, see, we're so good at this, I've already lost count. Very Brown right. counting of you. Uh, yes, exactly. All right, Stephen, Mr. Brown. All right. So what we you- started in 2007. Let's fast forward to 2013. Patriots, probably the worst Patriots team mm. in one of their, in their story dynasty. At, this is at New England, too, right? In their house. On week 14, too, late in the season. Down 26-14. Page score touchdown, 61 seconds left, just over a minute. Recover the onside kick, which we kick right to our own guy. Hits him right in the stomach and kicks right back out to the kicker. And then the Patriots score another touchdown 30 seconds later. This was, so, this was the game that... Um, where Josh Gordon was still actually playing. Didn't he have two really long touchdowns? No, you're thinking of the other game where he has like 286 yards receiving and they only score 11 points. <laughs> no, that that was a different game, yes. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but this also, I think, yeah, he had at least one long, comes to mind and you say, long Josh touchdown. A lot of yards and they still is. Yeah, because I think that was that same time frame, that 2014 era was The onside Josh kick Gordon. was the worst part, you know? Yeah. All you got to do is do this. 
hits him right in the bread basket. Just little section. The guy's falling on it. Catch it. Like who was the uh, who was the guy for the Colts? Hank Basket. Remember in the Super Bowl, all he had to do was recover the onside kick against the Saints. Mm. Didn't do it. Went right through the basket. And uh, poor bastard. He was the goat in that one. Funny story. My friend was at this game, the Patriots game, oh. and left <laughs> prior to the Patriots really? scoring those points and had to listen from the parking lot. Shout out Mark Fratarelli. <laughs> and he tried to get back in and they wouldn't let him. That's what he gets. <laughs> Do you know well what time deserved. of the game he left? I mean, it was nineteen eleven, with six minutes left in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't see either of the last two uh, touchdowns. Fairweather fans, am I right? Mm-hmm. Brutal. No, there's no fairweather fans in Cleveland. The Browns are, there's no fairweather. No. No. They wouldn't be leaving a game, no matter how bad they got beat. Uh, right. I don't uh, know. 2002 wild card. We all remember this. One of the uh, only playoff games on this list. Yeah. To the Steelers. Ending score 36 33. Down 24-7, come back 29 points, 19 minutes in the game. The Browns are up 24-7 with 19 in the third quarter. Left. In the third yeah. quarter. Yeah. Late third. <sighs> That's tough. You know, it's one of those early 2000s playoff games. You know, it feels all muddy. Everyone's, you know, it's, it's oh, yeah. kind of Brown Steelers smash mouth. Yeah. And they just, they were up, led the whole game. And Chris Fumatu Mafala. 127 total yards to scrimmage, no touchdowns in the regular season. In the whole Is season. The last. Fullback. He's one bad ma follow. He, had, he has more apostrophes in his last name than he had touchdowns in the season. Well, cool. He has more than one apostrophe, yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then he's the one that's going to score that last touchdown. And then Ranton and L throws a two-point conversion to seal it. <laughs> Make it three points. Mitchell Browns never even sniff. Uh, unbelievable. Kelly Holcomb threw for like 400 yards in that game, though. He did. Yeah. And they saw it. This is throwing some bomb. There's a bunch of chippiness before the uh, before the whole game started as well. It was just it was just tough, especially the playoffs. You know, it makes it so much. That's worse. A, yeah. I mean, because some of these are big blowouts. Some of them are are. I like it. Well, so which would you say is worse getting blown out even if it's at home on Monday night or you're up big and you you lose in a comeback fashion like a 28 to 3 yeah I think you're losing big you know because that's worse well it's all sort of blend together eventually and it's the really painful losses that stick with you, you know? right yeah okay that's what I'm saying yeah and as, and especially and I think it adds more to it when it's a playoff game as well. Oh yeah, the playoffs just ratchets. Either both of those are worse, than the, the playoffs are worse than both of those. You know, just in general. Yeah, because I don't think this would be a top ten loss if if it was in the playoffs. It's just another they lost nineteen. They lost a twenty four seven lead. It's worse. They next game on the list two thousand one week eight Chicago Bears in overtime twenty seven twenty one. I remember this game. <laughs> We're up 21-7, one minute to play. Bear score, 32 seconds left. We're going to cover the onside kick, and he's sensing a trend here. And then convert a 34-yard Hail Mary as time expires. Tie the game. Tie it, right. 
but it gets worse. It like so so let's just That's... put this into perspective. You're leading 21-7 with a minute to play. 60 seconds and you're up two touchdowns. And it goes to overtime. Because they score a touchdown, Bears score a touchdown, get the onside kick and then throw a Hail Mary which is also complete. <sighs> and then what happens, Steven? You know, it'd be, it'd be one thing if it just ended in one of those overtime, you know, they go drive down, kick field goal, and it's kind of whatever. Exactly. Have a chance to touch the ball because that's what the rules were back then. Mm-hmm. But no, we get the coin toss. That's not and how Browns drive. Chicago intercepts our screen pass, returns it for a touchdown. <laughs> a tip drill style. Got the other guy. Takes to the house. <sighs> that's why we didn't lose by three. We lost by six. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the... <laughs> How do you have a, a screen pass intercepted? Like that's supposed to be uh, poor quarterbacking. It's supposed to be really. the easiest, like safest pass. He was probably trying to throw it in the dirt, but then just slipped and just threw it right at a guy and it bounced up and then they just intercepted it. It's just not bad. Oh. All right. Those are great, but I think there's worse. Uh, there's another overtime game. And this is where we start getting into not just bad play losing games or anything like that, or or even coaching decisions. But this is kind of just getting beat by the league, which makes things even worse. Even worse because there's you're already fighting yourself. Yeah, there, there's already you're already behind the eight ball because you're a Cleveland Brown. And you're battling through, and you're you're in these close games, and one small decision can change the entire outcome of a game and a season. So we'll start in 2002, week four. This game's at Pittsburgh. Um, a lot of Pittsburgh games on this, I'm noticing, but to be expected. Um, the Browns took the Seals to overtime, 13-13 in the game. Uh, they get an interception deep in Steel's territory in overtime, but can't go anywhere with the ball. Get a little um, a little conservative with it. And Phil Dawson, the usually consistent Phil Dawson, misses a 45-yard field goal. So kind of typical, but this is where it gets bad. Uh, the Steelers then drive down the field and attempt to kick a field goal on second down, right? The, the Cleveland Browns, Block the field goal, Steelers recover. Um, apparently, usually when that happens, the other team gets the ball, right? So it should be Cleveland ball with a chance to come back and win it. Um, but the referees ruled that since the ball did not cross the line of scrimmage and the Steelers didn't try to advance the ball, the Steelers are entitled to kick another field goal because that was only second down, which... I guess this is why everybody kicks on second or third down these days. Um, so they got another chance to kick on third down, and that attempt is good. Steelers win. So just an arcane, random your, rule. It's your, your standard play in the playbook, you know? Second down and 10, <laughs> kick field goal, get blocked, recover, and then kick on third down. Everybody knows that play, Andy. Yeah. He was going to get blocked. That's why he called yeah. it on second. It's right next to the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> ladder. Hook ladder, intentional field goal block. All the, all the intentional field goal block. 
The Fomorowski. Uh, <laughs> they call it the Blockerowski. The Blockerowski. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Wonder which coach that was. A lot of early two thousands here. Yeah. 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 I mean, that was kind of. I don't think I can say that. A lot of uh, Johnny Manziel, Brandon Whedon era. Mm. There are some embarrassing ones in there. There are. Uh, This is a bad one, too. Because this is against Kansas City in 2002. That's the good Kansas City teams with Priest Holmes running it down everybody's throat. Trent Green. Trent Green, I think. And uh, Tony Gonzalez, early Tony Gonzalez, when he was like a monster. Wasn't this, uh, who was there? Who was that that uh, kick returner too? The human joystick. Fritz. Yeah. Uh, who? I think you're talking about Josh Cribbs. No, no, no. The, Don, the, Dante uh, Hall. Yes, 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 yes. Dante Hall. And so I think the Chiefs were pretty good in 2002 as well. They were- but... The the Browns are hanging with them. This is week one opening the season. The Chiefs are trailing our Cleveland Browns, 39-37. Last play of the game, Chiefs on their own 47, out of field goal range. So all the Browns have to do is make one stop. And for a minute, it looked like that's what happened. So Trent Green under pressure. And linebacker Dwayne Rudd gets to him. And right before Green goes down, though, he shovels a lateral to one of his linemen, which I didn't think you could do. Uh, I thought that would be an ineligible receiver, but okay. Um, And then the lineman runs to the 26 of the Browns. You know, time's expired, whatever, game's over. But, but, in true Cleveland Brown fashion, uh, Dwayne Rudd thought he got the sack, and so he thought the game was over. And as part of his celebration, removes his helmet and throws it, which, because the play wasn't over, is an automatic 15-yard penalty. And since a game can't end on a defensive penalty, Chiefs get an untimed down and now kick uh, a chip shot 28-yard field goal because they got the yardage, that, like the random yardage that the offensive lineman ran, and then plus 15 yards. 28-yard field goal. Lose it on the last play of the game, 40-39. to 39. It was a 41-yard play. Yeah. That lateral was so, so lucky. It wasn't... Uh, yeah, also, also that yeah, the fact that fair. you were able to... <laughs> to get that many you yards. You can't blame Dwayne for celebrating there. Oh, you know? No. Exactly. But this is just one of those stereotypical losses that as a Browns fan just tears your heart out because you were that close and it almost, you almost lost on a technicality, you know, so oh, being a quality team week one, start the season really well. <sighs> well, it's just finding creative ways to lose games, you know, yeah. They're just losing regular normally getting your ass whipped or whatever, but to get a, a sack that wasn't actually a sack with a flick, with a run, with a penalty right. tacked on, it's just, and this is just silliness. In yeah. 2002, this is a Cleveland Browns team that went nine and seven, and that's where they made the playoffs, played the Pittsburgh Steelers, and lost 36-33 in the game Greg already talked about. <laughs> uh, 
but they win that they they open the season with that win. Maybe they're ten and six. Maybe uh, they're not playing in the wild card. Maybe they're playing second round the playoffs. You know, who knows? You never know. What could have been? But because I am, as we all know, not a fan of referees. I thought you loved referees, Andy. Not a fan of referees. Not as a Browns fan. Me. The the worst loss in Browns history is against Jacksonville in 2001, week 14. Browns sitting at 500 at 6-6, six and six, looking to keep their playoff hopes alive, looking to try get into the playoffs for the first time in a long time. Um, down 15-10, to 10, 68 seconds left in the game. Browns are driving. Greg's boy, Tim Couch. Tim Sofa, Tim Settee, whatever you'd like to call him. It looks like he appears to complete a three-yard throw to Quincy Morgan on fourth and two from the Jacksonville 12 setting up first and goal right clocks ticking tick 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 couch hurries everybody to the line spikes the ball boom after he spikes the ball Terry McCauley the the head referee signals that the Morgan completion before the spike is under review even though can't do that the rule is yeah once another player's run the play before can't be reviewed like it's over that's yeah, it's in the book. You've you've seen teams like the Patriots, Everyone like knows that. start running, yeah, running as soon as there's a questionable call, everybody runs up and just like tries to run a play real quick to, to get that second playoff before the the play can be reviewed. And this is exactly what happened. But the referee's reasoning is that the replay booth buzzed him before the spike play was run, but he had to confirm it with another official that the buzz had happened before the play was run. And so, of course, this being the Browns, they reviewed the play. Overturned the catch, fourth down failed, Jaguars win the game. And at this time, uh, you know, this is in Cleveland, so the the hometown fans, not happy. So they decide to start throwing bottles and other debris onto the field, but mostly bottles. So the referees decide to forfeit the game with 48 seconds still left on the clock. It's like, you know what, fuck it. Cancel this game, moving on. Um, Can't do that. Nope, you sure can't. So, speaking of, this is what I'm talking about, badly referee game. Uh, the commissioner, Paul Tagliabue at the time, Tagliabue? How do you say that? Tagliabue. That's fun to say. Uh, but the commissioner actually called the referees and made them go, everybody go back on the field and run the last 48 seconds of the game off. Oh. Even though... Uh, the Cleveland fans were continuing to show their displeasure by throwing more and more debris onto the field. So this oh. game is now, you can Google it, you can Google Bottlegate, and the video of this will show up. People getting hurt by those balls. I got a hot take, though. Okay. I don't think the fans went far enough. I think they should have burned that fucking place to the ground. <laughs> I think they should have. Everybody knows once you run another play, that's it. That's yeah. it. Everybody knows. That's if we can't have that feeling of relief yeah. when you watch a live play that might be suspect and then your team snaps the next play, you know that feeling where you're yeah. like, well, oh, 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 that's good. in the past. It's in the books. Yeah. I don't even that's have canon. to look at a replay. That nope. is it's a great feeling. So, on that play, you know, do you take that touchdown off the board too? Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Huge swing. And of that course, bullshit. as we all know, the Cleveland Browns in 2001 finished seven and nine would not recover from that Jacksonville loss would lose two out of the next three 
and miss the playoffs. <sighs> Factory of want to do some, uh Want to do some uh, honorable mentions here? Give me some honorable mentions. Yes, please. Okay. What 2004, work week 14, a 37 to 7 loss. The Browns managed 17 total yards of offense. 15 of them on a garbage time drive after the two minute warning. Yes, that was on my list too. 17 total yards of offense. <laughs> the, the two matchups versus Baltimore in 2003. So wait, wait, wait. wait. Before we move and- on to that, um, that, that game was two weeks after Butch Davis had resigned following the 58 to 48 loss to Cincinnati. And Terry Rubisky was the interim coach. Uh, The Browns ran 39 plays for 26 yards of offense, which is 14 yards lower than the 41, nothing loss opening night in 99 to the Steelers. The the Buffalo ran 72 plays, including 215 yards of rushing the Browns had negative three yards of passing offense, mostly because Buffalo recorded seven sacks. The Browns had five turnovers. The previous season low in yardage was against the Jets a month before with 216 yards. Almost 200 yards more than this game. Oh, boy. Unbelievable. I have another honorable mention, Greg. Let's hear it. Uh, Detroit, 2005, week seven. 13-10, not, not standout, the Lions, but Jeff Garcia, the Browns starter the year prior, needs to come back against the Browns, gloats about it in the media afterwards. Now even, now even the Lions are looking down their nose at the Browns, you know? <laughs> when Jeff Garcia is chirping at you, yeah. you know, you and got problems. That's but, bad. Uh, he earned that, but that comeback against us and – 13, 10, all those low-scoring slog fest games, and he's in the media afterwards just rubbing salt in the wounds. Uh, uh, 2003, weeks 2 and 16, Jamal Lewis rushes for a combined 500 yards against Cleveland in two weeks. <laughs> cool 205 season. in one game and 295 in the other. Wasn't And wasn't one of those games... Uh, the Andre Davis, the linebacker, called up Jamal Lewis and basically said something about like, "I dare you to run it more." Like, yeah, so, yeah, exactly. If you get a certain amount of carries, you're gonna lose. And yeah, you- they were selling out in the Week 16 game against the run, and it just didn't, didn't matter. They didn't. They didn't have an answer. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, uh, 2013, week 11, 41 to 20 loss. Trying to climb into the playoff race and jumping out to a 13 to nothing lead in the first quarter. The Browns promptly give up 31 points in the second quarter to Cincinnati. <laughs> oh. oh my God. How about uh, Baltimore, 2015, week 12? Um, the Browns line up for a 47-yard field goal as time expires. The kick, of course, is blocked and returned for a touchdown. To add insult to injury, this is the first field goal all season that rookie kicker Travis Coons had missed. The kick six nullifies an incredibly heads-up game-tying drive by Austin Davis, of all people. Not not good. Austin Davis, not yeah. the worst quarterback we've ever had. <laughs> I mean, I guess you Mr. could say Mr. Anderson. <laughs> Mr. Uh, Anderson. I don't know. There's so many. Whedon, he's got to be up there. Mm-hmm. 
the old rookie. Yep. I mean, the drive. We didn't even mention the drive. Oh, oh no. The, uh, the expansion restart Browns. 1987. Yeah, that's too much ago. to unpack if you go yeah. back to the first iteration of the Browns, too. Right. And then the very next year, they're playing the Broncos again. Yeah. And they're, and they're about to go in for a score. And Ernest Byer, uh, Beiner fumbles at the one yard line with like a clear path into the end zone. <laughs> yeah, it's a tough look. That one could be the worst one ever. <laughs> um, Cincinnati, 2011, week one. Uh, Cincinnati backup quarterback Bruce Gradkowski, the one who actually started for the Cleveland Browns. Um, Notice that the Cleveland defense is slow out of the huddle and thus rushes to the line and quick snaps the ball for an easy go-ahead touchdown to win 27-17. And when Greg Kowski started for our Cleveland Browns, he lost 31-0. So to get beat by a quarterback who couldn't play quarterback for you, tough look. <sighs> There's the uh, recent game in 19 against the Patriots. Where we had the three turnovers from Nick Chubb and... Oh, yep, in the rain. Where he had that nice long run. He was about to score, and after he fumbled the first snap of the game or whatever, and then gets it punched out, and then he has that screen pass hit him right in the face, or he gets kicked in the face. Yeah. Oh, in the first quarter. Oh, yeah, they had a uh, the shovel pass intercepted. Yeah, shovel pass interception, yep. That was bad. <laughs> uh... Shout out to... Uh... Can we uh, give some props to this guy that put this list together? Yes, I think we should. Yes. We're pulling these from a list of every Browns loss since 1999 ranked. So this this guy. Yes. This is, uh, you see like his name, Andy? Mm. I-N-I-N-C-K. Looks like Nick spelled incorrectly. <laughs> he went through and ranked them. Uh all 186 losses. Yeah, there's a lot of these. This is through the 2015 season. Yeah, so I mean, there's definitely more yeah. ever since then. But so 99 to 2015. So there should be some yeah. since then. But he's he's gone through. <laughs> it, it, it is worth a read. I mean, you can just look. You could say uh, Browns losses ranked if you want to go through and like yeah. read these, but he's got we'll, a we'll put a, every single game. We'll put a thing in the show notes, a link for these. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's thorough. It's, it's, it's thorough. Th- it's depressing. Yeah. Yeah. You'll laugh. You'll cry. Yeah. And you'll not want to be a Browns fan. I don't know though. I don't know. This is the year. This is the year. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Coming off a, a playoff win. Coming off uh, you know, battling the Chiefs to the to the last drive of the game. Right, right. The Steelers are, you know, Ben Roethlisberger is wicked old. Yep. OBJ is coming apart. back. Yeah. Oh yeah. This is the year. I can feel it. I I can't wait until they fall apart in some creative way this year. Wait a minute. What heartbreaking way they're gonna lose. Yeah. A matter of time, isn't it? Yeah, the, yeah just just the fact that uh, it wasn't Hugh Jackson was in the news today, actually. It was complaining. Yeah, basically complaining they didn't really get uh, a fair shot. Um, <laughs> what? Did he get a fair <laughs> shot? 
I mean, he he only went one in thirty two. He's about to turn he the team around. He had one win in two seasons. Yeah, yeah, that's more than fair. Didn't like the way he was. I treated. think he's got the fairest shot of anybody ever. Yes, <sighs> him and Jeff Fisher have had the most fair shots. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, Shout yeah, out Tim Couch. He got a, he got a, put through the ringer. Kelly Holcomb too. Kelly Holcomb. How many names do you think you can name on the on the famous jersey? No, man. All right, here you go. Hugh Jackson says Brown's ownership lied to him about the rebuilding process. I guess he thought. Well, rebuilding means coach too, buddy. Hugh's Brown's are of lying to him about the nature of the rebuilding process in Cleveland. Jackson said. Shut up. Jackson said in Cleveland that the extent to which the decision makers would use analytics wasn't disclosed to him when he took the job. There's no doubt I was lied to by ownership and leadership of the team, Jackson said. They were going to be football plus analytics, but it was football versus analytics. Jackson said he plans to publish a book about his experience in Cleveland, a story he says hasn't been accurately told. I think I became the fall guy because that was the narrative. The truth needs to come out for other minority coaches. They need to know the pitfalls out there. My story has affected some of their futures, Jackson said. Jackson said he signed a contract extension in the middle of the 2017 season when the Browns were 0-8 and, and had gone 1-15 the year before, but Haslam wouldn't announce the deal. I got a contract yeah, extension at 1-23 midway through the season, Jackson said. I wanted to go public with it, but the Browns didn't. I can't imagine why. There's little <laughs> doubt that Haslam deserves a fair amount of the blame for the Browns' lack of success since he bought the team. But the reality is, a lot of coaches have come and, come and gone since Haslam bought the Browns, and none has had as bad a record as Jackson. Yeah. That's a that was today. The nerds, but yeah. man, the nerds sucked at it, too. They both sucked. The nerds sucked. He sucked. Everybody sucked. Yeah. One sucked. Were you, sucked you, were sucked. you under the impression that this wasn't like a results-based industry that you're in dude you thought that you know ah they'll just let me go through two seasons without winning games yeah i'm curious to know how that uh how that how that um contract talks went like well you did manage to win a game but you also have lost 23 others and you're 0 and 8 this season but sure no let's talk about next year that's a great idea yeah, no, we'll we'll, we'll definitely uh, we'll definitely put together the contract uh, extension for next year. We're just uh, let's let's not tell anybody about it. Do you think his bet about jumping in the lake was part of that contract negotiation? Did he like make that part of his deal, or he's like, "Well, all right, I'll do this," but you guys won't you guys won't say anything. But then I can go on the on the radio and say that if we lose, I'll go jump in the lake. <laughs> and they're like, "All right, deal." You know what? I, I respect Browns fans for leaning into it, you know? Yeah. I mean, you got it at this point, right? Yeah. You can't not. It's like being a It's Sunday better fan. than being mediocre. I'd rather be a Browns fan than like, I don't know, a Dolphins Chargers fan. fan. Yeah. 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 Bills fan. The Jets. Getting to four Super Bowls and losing them all in a row. The Jets are still hanging on to Joe Namath. Fucking Super Bowl three. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the Jets, are Jets are having a rough time too. I mean, where is it? Hang on. Any excuse? Dude, Charlie Charlie Fry started 13 games one year. That's crazy. What does it mean to you now when the team is struggling? I want to kiss you. I couldn't care less about the team struggling. What That's we know so is we can improve. Chad missed. Chad Pennington, our quarterback, missed the first part of the season. 
and we struggled. We're looking to next season. We're looking to make a, a noise now, and I want to kiss you. Thanks, Joe. I'll yeah. take that as a huge compliment. Yeah, you know what? I want to kiss you. Thanks, Joe. I'll yeah. take that as a huge compliment. Yeah, you know Joe Namath, part of the Ford Dickens. What are the Jets doing? Struggling. What we struggling. What we struggling. What we Oh, you never pass up an opportunity to shit on the Jets. No, no. No, especially that. Specific. I think the second part's funnier where he's like, I couldn't give a shit about the Jets. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, that, that's kind of why we're interviewing you. <laughs> well, you're, you're supposed to, though. Know. Oh, looking to next season. We're looking to make a, a noise now and... I want to kiss you. I want to kiss you. I couldn't care less about the team struggling. I couldn't care less about the team struggling. I couldn't awesome. care less about the team struggling. That might be like the worst part of all of it, too, because he's supposed to be the face of the franchise. He's Joe That's Namath. Saying. The only success they've ever had came through him. The Browns have had some good players and some you know, storied history. That's why it's so bullshit that they got moved yeah. to Baltimore. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fuck Baltimore. Yeah. They had Brian Hoyer for a couple of years. Oh, yeah. Hoyer the Destroyer, baby. Mm hmm. All good. Some legendary names in that quarterback uh, list. Nope. Yeah. Give them to me. Give me that list. I mean, uh, Tim Couch, Ty Detmer, Doug Ooh. Peterson. Yep. Spurgeon win one of the Brady seven. Spurgeon. Kelly Holcomb, who was probably the best one. Garcia, Luke McCown. That's oh, not boy. the McCown, right? The McCown? The one that like just retired. Josh. Yeah. Trent Dilfer. Charlie Fry started 13 games. Uh Derek Anderson, Brady, Quinn, Ken Dorsey, Bruce Kudkowski. Uh uh, Seneca Wallace, Colt McCoy, all-time NFL quarterback name. Yep. We there was Spurgeon win. Thad Lewis. Ooh. Hilarious. Jason Campbell started eight games. Another another McCown, Josh McCown. <laughs> yep, I knew that, both McCowns. Yeah. Brian Hoyer, Johnny Manziel, Connor Shaw, so Austin who was, Davis. Who's the best Kaiser, right? quarterback on that yeah. list? Who's the, the most successful quarterback on that list? It's got Derek, uh, Derek Anderson. I mean, with the Browns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Derek Anderson had like a decent year one year. Yeah, I think Kelly Holcomb played pretty well. Yeah, he wasn't as bad as people think. <laughs> Spoke like relatively, a true Brown. Relatively, relatively. <laughs> yeah, okay, good save. Oh boy. RG3. Richardson, double first round pick draft. Oh, that's that's a tough one, right? That's, they, a, that's the first a rough look. Yeah. They came away with was Trent Richardson and Brandon Whedon. Yeah, but then they traded him for a first round pick, and that's then they cool. used that pick to tr- to move up to get Johnny Manziel. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Football. Did you see the, the play with him recently? No. This past week, he's in. I don't even know what fucking league he's in these days. Oh, he's in the the one where the fans can can pick the plays, right? Yeah, fan control like football arena. something. Yeah, yeah, it's like a weird like seven on seven thing. But there's like a snap that went over his head. He goes back to pick it up and like can't quite scoop it, 
and there's like two guys running at him and he legit just stops and like walks away <laughs> they like <laughs> recover it he doesn't he, he just like he's not even looking at the play anymore he's just like no nope. <laughs> It's like the Cam Newton Super Bowl one on steroids. It's so oh, funny. Boy. I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's a fan-controlled football. Professional Indoor Football League created in 2017. And uh, played in Duluth, Georgia. Broadcast on Twitch. <laughs> broadcast on Twitch. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the fans, I think, vote on the plays and they and like the most popular play is the one that gets called. Oh, rock, paper, scissors replaces the coin toss. Um, seven men playing each side of the ball, like you said. Three men on the offensive line. Each team has one timeout. The team can also have access to three power-ups. A fifth down. Uh, flip the field, which moves the ball back to the offensive team's 10-yard line. Or power play, which forces the opposing team to play the next play with only six players. No kicking, no punting. All offensive possessions that do not result from turnovers begin on the 10-yard line. Damn. Let's stop fucking around and just bring back slam ball. Yes. Right. Yeah. Quite possibly the, the most American sport ever, slam ball. Slam ball ruled. High ruled. scoring, high flying, uh, full contact. That didn't really sense. make sense, which was great. No. Yeah. A bunch of like rules that were just there to be rules. Yeah. A lot of knee injuries. A lot of injuries. I think the reason they went under is because some guy, like his foot got <laughs> severed off. Or Hell like yeah. This. In like practice. Rocket and, Ishmael. He was a coach. Yeah. Johnny Manziel clip is so funny. <laughs> you Did you watch it? Yeah. Post it in the, post it in the chat. It's, put this in the show notes too. It's, it's better than Jay Cutler's one where he's like wicked oh. disinterested. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is like it's like that. He's just like whatever. Yeah. The best part is it's not the end of the play too. That yeah. makes it so much better. And you knew he went back to the silence. Coach was like, "Dude, what the fuck?" And he's like, "I don't care." <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "I'm the only marketable person you have in this league. Get fucked." <laughs> Literally the only name. <laughs> oh, it's probably true. Yeah. The, the highlight probably brought more attention to this league than anything else. League. Yep. I agree. I think that's good for the league. They need more of that. (laughs) (laughs) As crazy as it is to say, they need more wicked selfish play (laughs) from washed up (laughs) all-stars. Ron James is like, what? (laughs) Oh, wait. Sorry, it's a Cleveland thing. LeBron James would never say that. He's a golden boy. (laughs) We still forgive him for... Yeah, don't get me started on LeBron James. The decision that's got to be on the Cleveland list. Yeah. All right. Anything else? Are we going to mercifully end this like um, experiment in misery? Yeah. We'll end this in the same way that um, the Browns often end their their season. Uh, And by that, I mean suddenly. See you later. Yeah, later. Yeah, later.